Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, the reason you have all this red in front of the altar is because it symbolizes fire that was witnessed on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and so today is our church's birthday um, in every year. Um, I think to do this, and I taught myself out of it, I want to sing happy birthday in the middle of church for church. Uh, but anyway, I, I kind of walk away from that. So this morning, um, even as we look into the scripture uh, that was read to us, um, I want to uh, focus a little bit. I want to set the tone as to what was happening um, so that we can join in with the people who were gathered together on that day of the Pentecost. Uh, so, so if you can kind of just think about that image, what was it like? For those people to hear what was happening on that day of Pentecost, if you can hold that image together, and kind of was like this, if I can share this. Yesterday was a beautiful day in the life of our church, uh, especially the United Methodist Church. Yesterday we celebrated uh, ordination and commissioning of several elders and deacons uh, in our uh, in our conference, and we affirmed their call to be pastors and deacons. Uh, the call that they received in a local church, and it was absolutely an incredible, incredible day. And I, even as we gathered to, gathered to worship, there was a sense of excitement in the room. Uh, we were all together at Olivet United Methodist Church. Uh, for some of them, it took about 10 years for them to come and be recognized as elders and deacons. It was a long journey for them, and it was one that was beautiful. And yes, there was a lot of excitement because all these people were coming before us, but at the same time, there was a sense of excitement for me and the other clergy who were there at Olivet United Methodist Church in Coatesville, is because for a majority of us, we hadn't seen each other for over a year. We had not worshiped together for over a year. I hadn't seen some of my friends uh, for over a year, some of my pastor friends for over a year. It was pretty emotional. It was good to be worshiping together, to saying prayers together. It was good to see God's glory in our midst in that sense of community. It was uh, during the worship service, we were reminded of our own stories of call, where God called us, and it was absolutely beautiful. And I'm sure you are finding yourselves in similar places as well. And for some of you who've been coming to worship here, um, I've been saying it's so good to see you after a year. And you all are saying, yes, it's good to be back in worship. I mean, the best way I can describe that feeling is it just kind of gives you a smile on your face. You kind of have a smile on your face and you say, wow, this is good. It is good to be able to do certain things again. It is good to be with family and friends again. See, that feeling is captured on the day of Pentecost. That feeling is captured on that day of Pentecost. That feeling of like, it is good to be here. A biblical author, um, a scholar named Ruiz, uh, the way he talks about Pentecost is Pentecost, he describes as one of the three pilgrimages that Israelites made to come to Jerusalem. It was one of three of them. One was Passover, one was the Festival of Lights, and the other one was the Festival of uh, Pentecost. So on this day, they began to come together from different places. It's called the Diaspora, 
So the Jewish people just didn't live in one area of Israel. They actually were dispersed all around uh, Israel. And they would come once a year to this festival. They would come once a year to celebrate Pentecost together. It's a pilgrimage that they would come. See, I hope you can join these people, these people who are from the diaspora, streaming into Jerusalem in sense of anticipation to worship God again. In the sense of anticipation of meeting friends and seeing friends again after a full year. I hope that rings true for you as well. That sense of excitement, that sense of joy that they felt on that day when they worshiped God in Jerusalem after being away from the temple for a full year or more. I hope you can see the smiles on their faces as they enter the city of Jerusalem. I hope you can see that. Because they were away for a while and now they're coming back to worship God. Our passage opens uh, this morning with a note that says that it was a day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover. We remember that Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. And that night he went into the garden and he was betrayed in the garden. Then later he was crucified and he, he was nailed to the cross and he died. And yet we celebrate that Jesus conquered death itself. On Easter he rose from the day, dead, conquering death itself. So 50 days have passed by since that day of the Passover. And today the diaspora comes together. These people who have been moved away come together to celebrate uh, the festival of Pentecost. And this is an agricultural festival. And so this is what we read, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. We read these. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Verse 9, we read a sampling of where this diaspora is coming from, where these people are coming from. Essentially, it is from the known world. This is what we read in verse 9. Parthians, Medes, Emites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, in Asia, Pygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of like Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. All these people gathering together to worship God. I hope you can see that. I hope you find yourselves in that. And then let's go back to what is happening in the upper room this morning. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would give them power to be his witnesses in Judea, in, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. This was a promise given to the disciples. This was an assurance given to them. So in this place, in this space, there were all kinds of people in that upper room. In that upper room, there were the apostles, the 11 disciples that Jesus went and called, and they followed him. And they were there. In this upper room, there were uh, women who were there. Because you remember the story of Easter. There were women who were walking towards the tomb. Those women were there in that space. They were young people and they were old people. 
everyone was present in that room. And we read the following. This is what took place. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 4, this is what we read. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. Oh, in our earlier service, Pastor Joanne was here, and I tried to quiz her and said, do you know the Greek word for all? She's taking a Greek course uh, this summer, uh, and I would say that she's growing closer to God in seminary by taking this Greek course because she prays all the time. It is so hard and so difficult. I've been there. It is really, really difficult. So say a prayer for her. Anyway, the Greek word... Here is P-A-N, pan, is how you pronounce it. It means everyone. It means everyone without discrimination. It means every single person in that room. I hope you understand the word pan. It means everyone. Every single person who was in that room was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came as a mighty gushing wind and filled every single person. The women who were there, the apostles who Jesus picked to be his disciples, the young people, the old people, every single one was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, 15, we read that there were about 150 people that used to come together with Peter as their leader. All of them, everyone who was present that day was filled with the Holy Spirit. And on for each of their heads, they saw a sign of a tongue that was placed on their head. Every single one. See, the promise that Jesus gave to the disciples, he said that he was going to send them, in John 14, a comforter. The Greek word is paraclete. That Jesus would send a comforter to them. And that word, that promise came through on that day. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comforts us in our times of need. Gives us strength when we face challenges. And it also allows us to speak the good news. The Holy Spirit was given to everyone. See, I believe there is a distinctive, there's a unique distinctive about Christian faith. No matter who you are, everyone has access to the Spirit of God. See, when you compare Christianity to other religions, this stands out. That every single one can access God. Every single one can access the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter who you are. As we read the book of Acts, you see this being played out. You see that Greeks received the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Gentiles, slaves, free people, Romans, merchants, soldiers, farmers, treasurers, everyone, irrespective of how you would identify yourself, whether it be your race, your gender, your nationality, or whatever you use to identify yourself, you are given the Spirit of God. Amen? Each one of us is given the Spirit of God. And we are told to proclaim God's good news. 
of Jesus. These individuals received the Holy Spirit and they began to share God's wondrous works. They began to speak in different languages. Remember, I was talking to you about the diaspora that was flowing in from all over the world, the known world. And now these disciples were speaking those languages because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So these individuals were speaking Hebrew, Aramaic, Latin, Greek, Arabic. And each one of them were able to hear, verse 11, were heard declaring the wonders, the wonders of God in their own language, in their own tongue. These disciples simply were declaring what God, the wonders of God, and as they were speaking, each one heard in their own tongue. This morning, I want to borrow this idea from Dr. Roos, who said that maybe Pentecost's story is about Christian unity. See, many biblical scholars uh, think about the Pentecost story as a reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11, we read, after the flood was done, we read that the people gathered together in order to build a huge tower. They all spoke the same tongue, the same language, and they wanted to build a tower so that they could reach the heavens. And God, and because they spoke the same language, they were together, but God did not like it. And this is what we read. So the Lord scattered them all from all over the earth. They stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel. Because, their world, because the Lord confused their language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So they tried to come together, trying to speak the same language, trying to do only one thing. But God said, you need to go inhabit the whole world. And he dispersed them. He created different languages. That's essentially what happened. There is them speaking the same language created a sense of a common bond. They all acted and thought similarly. They had one common goal. But the more I think about it, I really think that this is our human condition, if you will. We gravitate towards people and communities that speak our language. We like to be with people who think like us, who view the world the way we do. We find comfort in being in places where our worldview is further affirmed. When we look out, when we see our, our own outlook, and it resonates with how people are responding to us, we feel very safe. That's, that's human nature. But I think we've taken it to an extreme. When our worldview is not affirmed, we leave. When we hear something that is different, to that which we hold true, we demonize the other. When we speak of the, of the other, we speak with ill and contempt. We see the other as a problem for all the woes that are happening in the world because they don't speak our language. The other is the problem. The world around us is calling us to live this way. To demonize the other. But I believe the gospel's message is different. The story of Pentecost is different. Verse 6. 
of Acts chapter 2. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Do you know how difficult it is to learn another language? In order to be proficient in another language, you need to immerse yourself in that culture. You not only are mastering the language, but you're mastering their food, their customs and culture and everything else. It becomes part of your life. These God-fearing people in Jerusalem were from all over the world and they were trying to worship God in Hebrew. Hebrew language was a language that was spoken at the temple. But when they began to hear the wondrous thing that God is doing in their own tongue, they finally felt at home in the temple. Here is the uniqueness that is happening on that day of Pentecost. The miracle of the birthday of the church is not uniformity. It is not that everyone spoke the same language. No, they heard their own language being heard and they heard the wonders of God in their own language. Our nature wants to confirm to uniformity. But this morning, friends, I want to remind us that we as a church, we are gathered together as a diaspora, separated people coming together to worship God. And we don't have to form to uniformity, but rather we can hear God's wondrous works in our own language. As Christians, we are called to create this miracle of the Pentecost that we hear and speak of God's wonders. So what does it mean? What does it mean for you and I to live into this miracle? While the world that outside views things differently and speaks a different language. Friends, I think the miracle of Pentecost can be lived out in this community called Mount Hope by doing what Jesus told us to do. This is what Jesus is, is saying in Luke. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our, full, our world is forcing us into uniformity to think alike and be alike. If you don't belong, and if you don't do what the world is telling you to do, there is no place for you to belong. But as a church, we are going to speak in your own tongue. We can do this by loving God and our neighbor in everything that we do. If we can do that well, everything else is secondary. May we declare to each other God's wondrous works that God is doing in our lives by loving God and our neighbor. Amen. Let us pray. God, we ask that you would be present here with us. That your spirit would enable us to speak your wonders. That your spirit would give us the tongue to speak the language of love. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.